Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Stephen Campbell, a urologist in the section of urologic oncology at Cleveland Clinic's Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute. Particularly relevant to today's podcast topic, he is the chair of the American Urological Association Guidelines Committee for Evaluation and Management of Localized Renal Masses. He's here today to talk to us about the controversy between partial and radical nephrectomy. So welcome, Steve. Thanks, Dale. It's, it's great to be here. So maybe to start off, tell us a little bit about your role here at Cleveland Clinic. Okay, my, my main area of interest from a clinical and surgical standpoint relates to urologic oncology, but kidney cancer specifically. And from a research standpoint, uh, we've done a number of studies uh, on localized kidney cancer. And so I, I sort of mentor the residents with respect to all of that. Excellent. So today we're going to talk about one of the biggest decisions, really, that, that clinicians need to make for patients, and that's um, patients with localized kidney cancer and whether a partial nephrectomy or a radical nephrectomy would be appropriate. So maybe we can uh, talk a little bit at first, just to start out, um, when we talk about partial nephrectomy or radical nephrectomy, what exactly that means. Like when we say partial nephrectomy, how much of the kidney is being lost? Um, kind of give us some perspective. So with radical nephrectomy, we're removing the whole kidney, all the fat around the kidney, gerotis fascia. If there's any lymph node enlargement, we're removing the nodes. So it's, you know, it's, it's sort of a classic uh, radical approach, uh, oncologic approach to the disease process. Partial nephrectomy, we're opening up gerotis fascia. We're uh, resecting the tumor with a little rim of normal parenchyma. We're trying to save as much kidney as possible. On average, we save about 80% of the kidney that we're operating on. There's a, a reconstructive component to partial nephrectomy because after we remove the tumor, we've got uh, you know, a, a sort of a kidney that needs to be reconstructed. We put some sutures in, we close the capsule together. So, and then, and then you've got this highly vascular reconstructed organ that needs to, to heal so that there's a, a slightly increased risk of complications with partial nephrectomy because it's a little bit more complex of a procedure. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be touching on that a little bit later in terms of the, the differences from a complexity. So we think about radical nephrectomy, we think about uh, partial nephrectomy. Tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of each approach. So radical nephrectomy uh, is sort of a more simple procedure. Uh, so in this era, we can almost always do the radical nephrectomies minimally invasive. We just mobilize the kidney. We can throw the stapler across the blood vessel. Blood vessel. So it's, it's a relatively straightforward procedure with a pretty low risk of complications. Uh, there's nothing that really needs to heal there because uh, we're removing it all. Uh, radical nephrectomy also has potential oncologic advantages, especially if the tumor has increased oncologic potential by not opening up the system, by not opening gerotis fascia, uh, it's clearly going to have a slight oncologic advantage. Partial nephrectomy, the downside is it's a little bit more complex. We can still do most of the procedures minimally invasive, 
but some of them do need to be done open. And, and the bottom line is there's always going to be some risk of complications when you've got a, a reconstructed, highly vascular organ that needs to heal. But the real advantage of partial nephrectomy is we're saving more kidney function, which for some patients is, is really, really important. If the patient already has pre-existing CKD, this can be the difference between them needing dialysis down the road versus maintaining good kidney function. So across the board, what percentage of patients would have a radical nephrectomy compared to a partial nephrectomy? So at our center, it's about two-thirds or three-quarters partial nephrectomy, and, a, and, and the remainder are radical. Certainly all the small renal masses, uh, they, they should really be managed with, with a partial nephrectomy. Those smaller renal masses up to about four centimeters or so tend not to have a lot of oncologic potential to them. So the risk of doing a partial nephrectomy from an oncologic standpoint is relatively low. We do partials for larger tumors too, if, if the patient needs it or if, or if it's like sitting in the pole and it's relatively easy. Uh, but then there's a, a whole other population with larger, more aggressive tumors that really does need a radical nephrectomy. And if we were to look in, say, community practices instead of an academic center, um, how do those numbers change? So that's a great question. And, and the reality is in the community setting, it's, it's sort of different. It might be uh, two-thirds or more radical nephrectomy. And part of it is that, again, the radical nephrectomy is a little bit easier. It's cleaner. So you've got you know somewhat older, slightly frail patient, and you're out in the community you're going to want to get that patient through as clean and safe as possible. And you're going to definitely lean more towards a radical nephrectomy. We worry about that because some patients out in the community are, are losing a kidney when they don't really have to. And, and, and that could put them at risk long-term from a functional standpoint. Are there particular patients that you think would benefit from coming to see you and your colleagues here uh, it, at the clinic instead of going to just get their kidney removed? Yeah, you know, just in general, patients with pre-existing CKD or proteinuria, patients with a solitary kidney, patients with bilateral tumors, these patients really need a partial nephrectomy. We think that younger patients, like, you know, early 50s and 40s, that sort of thing, they probably should have a partial nephrectomy if at all possible, that you know they can then move on for the rest of their life with 1.8 kidneys instead of one kidney. Patients with familial kidney cancer, well, they almost always need a partial nephrectomy because they have bilateral disease, more multifocal disease, more often than not. So those are some of the examples. Also, patients with severe hypertension, uh, uh, really significant stone kidney stone diathesis, morbid obesity. We really believe in pushing the envelope towards partial nephrectomy in all of those patient populations because they'll be at risk for progressive decline in renal function as the years go by. So I know that you've done work with looking at renal function and the reduction of renal function and, and its effects on, on survival. Could you tell us a little bit about that? So this is like one of the great controversies in the field, and this has been going on for 
well over a decade. And basically, what, what, what's happened is that we know that in the general medical population, patients who have CKD, usually due to hypertension and diabetes, they're at risk for progressive decline of renal function. You know, they have a GFR of 45 because their diabetes has been impactful. Well, it's going to continue to be impactful. So those patients in, in the general medical populations, they really, they really have reduced survival related to their CKD. And so just in general, our field, we, we, we thought, well, if that's the case, then we really ought to do a partial nephrectomy whenever it's possibly feasible because we'll save as much kidney function and we'll, we'll end up with better overall survival. And most of the studies in the literature, and it's over 100 studies, they're, they're almost all retrospective and they're almost always showing a survival advantage to the patients who get the partial nephrectomy versus the radical nephrectomy. But we think that that's a lot of that selection bias. It's just the healthier, younger patient uh, is more likely to be able to, you know, recover well from a partial nephrectomy. We're more likely to select that patient for a partial nephrectomy. And that patient's going to live longer no matter what we did to them. So we really think a lot of that is selection bias. And in reality, there's only been one randomized trial in the literature. Uh, it's called EORTC 30904, and it randomized patients with relatively small kidney tumors to partial versus radical nephrectomy. And this was a population where partial nephrectomy should have provided a real advantage. They were patients with small renal tumors. But the reality was when the study was analyzed, it did not show an advantage to partial nephrectomy. So this has left us with sort of a, a long-term ongoing controversy in the field. And the perspectives about this can vary tremendously. Some people have said that if you could do a partial, maybe, but you did a radical, maybe that's almost malpractice. We think that's way out there. We, you know, uh, so, so there is sort of an ongoing controversy in the field, like how far should we be pushing the envelope towards partial nephrectomy? And perhaps the pendulum has swung too far. And I can tell you, uh, we have seen patients at our center and patients we pick up who really received a imprudent partial nephrectomy. They should have had a radical. They run into oncologic problems long-term, and they can die of kidney cancer when a smarter decision up front for radical nephrectomy might have really made a difference. So sometimes these decisions can be very impactful for our patients on a long-term basis. So uh, I'm certain that anytime there's a trial like this EORTC 30904 trial, um, you get both sides, you know, clamoring to say that, it, see, my side was right. Um, are, are there any glaring issues with that trial that would suggest that, uh, that there may be bias in one direction or is just impossible yeah, to tell? That, that's a great, great point. So what, what happened was when the trial first came out in 2011, it's hard to believe it seems like yesterday, but when it first came out, we, we all in the field, we didn't know what to think. And for about six months, everyone just tried to sweep it under the carpet because we wanted to believe in partial nephrectomy, especially at academic centers. We wanted to believe it in partial nephrectomy because, you know, we get referrals for patients who need partial nephrectomy. But anyway, 
the long and short of it is it's not a perfect trial at all. Uh, it didn't reach its accrual. It was supposed to have like 1,200 patients and it stopped at about 550. It was relatively early in the partial nephrectomy experience across the world. So maybe the partial nephrectomies weren't quite as optimal as, as what they might be today. So maybe partial nephrectomy was put at a little bit of a disadvantage. But the more we thought about it here at the Cleveland Clinic, we thought to ourselves, you would take 540 patients and randomize them to partial versus radical, uh, then you'd follow them for 10 years. And these are patients who are perfectly designed to be the patients who should benefit from the partial nephrectomy. And at the end of 10 years, actually, the advantage was to radical nephrectomy. Not only did it not show an advantage to partial, but there was actually a statistical advantage to radical. So we said to ourselves, this trial is probably trying to tell us something. And so we started doing our research on this. And what we found was that a lot of times radical nephrectomy will drop the patient into having CKD. So we call that CKD surgical because they only got the CKD from, from surgery. And we asked the question whether all CKD is created equal. Because we know CKD due to medical causes, it, it really does compromise your survival on a long-term basis. But when we studied it, CKD due to surgery, these patients had a pretty much equivalent survival as if they didn't have CKD at all. And basically the idea is they only have CKD because we operated on them. We're never gonna operate on them again. They can stabilize with a GFR of 48 or 43, and they can live long-term. And that's pretty much what we found in the study. And what that suggests is that, you know, if, if you go into surgery with pretty good kidney function, even if we're going to drop you into CKD, you can have good long-term survival uh, if you're a well-selected patient. So, so the long and short of it is that the, the idea that radical nephrectomy is like killing patients by causing CKD just isn't true. And this trial really supports that concept. Yeah, you, you raise a good point. You you had mentioned that the you know medical CKD just keeps getting worse and you know you have more of a plateau effect with surgery. So when we think about measuring renal function, why how are you approaching that at this point? I, are you doing that through uh, radionuclide scans or you're doing this through the, um, this parenchymal volume analysis, or how are you guys approaching measuring the renal function? Yeah, so, I mean, it's gotten really simple through the years. We used to do iothalamate scans and a more sophisticated nephrological tests, but in this era, everything's just creatinine-based uh, estimations of GFR, which comes out in our lab reports from the MDRD2 equation when we want to get really sophisticated, we do the CKD epi equation, but these are real simple ways to take the creatinine and based on the age and the gender and the race, we can estimate the GFR. And so we've done a number of studies uh, related to functional recovery after surgery. And what we've, we found was really very, very simple that how much mass is saved by the surgery a vascularized nephron mass is really the key thing for the recovery of function after any kind of kidney surgery. 
So when we do a partial nephrectomy, if we save 80% of the function and we or 80% of the mass, and we can measure this on the CAT scans, we'll get 80% of the function. That's really the key factor, not the ischemia. So that's another thing that really shifted in our field. At one point, we thought the ischemia was really accounting for changes in function, but it's it's really not so much that. It's, it's, it's all a matter of getting in and out of there and saving as much vascularized parenchymal mass as possible. Saving the mass is also sort of, does that also help you predict um, loss of function? If you consider radical nephrectomy versus partial nephrectomy, that holds true as well instead of the old scanning techniques and things like that. Right. So until about two years ago, if we wanted to predict what your function was going to be after a radical nephrectomy, we would do a renal scan. And based on the split renal function, we could estimate the function of the contralateral kidney, the kidney that's going to be left behind. And then we could multiply that by a compensation factor. The average kidney has compensatory hypertrophy of about 25%. And based on that, we could estimate what the final GFR is going to be. And if that GFR is going to be greater than 45 then the patient really could have a radical nephrectomy without any negative effects. Now, in this era, we do what's called differential parenchymal volume analysis, which, which has been done for in the kidney transplant world for years. They look at a potential donor, they measure the amount of parenchymal mass on each side, and then they can predict, you know, they, they take generally leave the donor with the better kidney they give the kidney to the other to the recipient, and based on that, they can predict what the final creatinine is going to be, and they can predict uh, what the, the final creatinine of the donor is going to be. Well, now we're doing this for kidney cancer. We have special software to measure the amount of healthy parenchyma on each side, and based on that, we can predict the final GFR of the patient after whatever surgery they have. That's great. What are the current uh, AUA guidelines on partial versus radical nephrectomy? So one of my uh, jobs in the field has been uh, as chairman of the AUA guidelines for the management of localized kidney cancer. And one of the, the biggest things we did with our latest guidelines is we came up with a very specific statement about radical versus partial nephrectomy. And what we say is that radical nephrectomy should be considered whenever the tumor is thought to have increased oncologic potential based upon increased tumor size, larger tumors are more aggressive, based on renal mass biopsy, if it's a, a aggressive histology or a high-grade tumor, and based on imaging features, if they have infiltrative features or locally advanced features. If you're seeing any or several of those factors, you're gonna be worried about increased oncologic potential in that setting, radical nephrectomy should be considered. Now, if in addition to that, they also have a normal contralateral kidney, which is going to provide a GFR of greater than 45, if they do not have pre-existing CKD, and especially if the tumor is like right in the middle of the kidney, what we call high complexity, where the partial nephrectomy is going to carry some risk to it. Bottom line is if the patient has all those characteristics, those are really the patients who really absolutely need a radical nephrectomy to give them the best, most efficacious and safest outcomes. If the patient doesn't fit that profile, 
then really partial nephrectomy should be considered. And that's still leaving a lot of patients who, who really should get a partial nephrectomy and will benefit from a partial nephrectomy. And of all the guidelines in the field, our guidelines from the American Urological Association are the only ones to provide a real granular description of what these parameters are that should help urologists to make uh, uh, the right decision so that the patients who need a radical nephrectomy get a radical nephrectomy, but at the same time, radical nephrectomy hopefully will not be overutilized, uh, which has ill effects too. You mentioned uh, renal mass biopsies. So um, how often are, are those being obtained? Yeah, in our field, uh, we kind of moved away from renal mass biopsy in about 2000. We became impressed, you know, sort of the, with the glass half empty side of the equation with renal mass biopsy that, it, you know, it's not as accurate as like a biopsy for a woman with a suspicious breast lesion, which is the biopsy in that setting is almost 100% accurate. In our world, the biopsies of kidney tumors they're imperfect. And the reason why is that the oncocytoma tumor is benign, but on a biopsy, it's very difficult to differentiate from like clear cell renal cell carcinoma. So the bottom line is renal mass biopsies are not perfect, but they're still pretty good. The overall accuracy is really pretty strong. It's in the high 90s. So while biopsies aren't perfect, they're, they're still helpful. And now the field has shifted back towards doing more renal mass biopsies. In any patient where we're, we're having a difficult time deciding whether they should be treated versus active surveillance, or if they're gonna get treated, whether they should be treated aggressively with radical nephrectomy versus partial nephrectomy, a renal mass biopsy can be extremely useful. It provides additional oncologic risk stratification, and it can be extremely helpful for counseling and management of these patient populations. And so what's going to be the next big break to improve the field? What are the barriers? You know, in our field, we, we have randomized trials in some, some areas, but we've not been really good about obtaining level one evidence. So uh, as far as this controversy about radical versus partial nephrectomy, we really need another randomized trial of partial versus radical nephrectomy for, for like somewhat larger tumors where it's really more of a question mark. When you're in clinic as, as a surgeon, as a doctor, you really honestly don't know for certain what the best treatment is. So we proposed a phase three, you know, randomized perspective trial of partial versus radical in that patient population. Unfortunately, we proposed it twice and we, we've not succeeded yet in 2014 and 2018. So long and short of it is, this is something we really need to give us high quality data to help move the field forward. And I think until we do that, it's just gonna be a long running controversy. What, what do you think's driving the hesitation to do the trial? Well, you know, it's always hard to get surgical trials. I think that you know, these, this, this trial would be mostly done in the academic world. I think some people in our world are a little bit hesitant. It's sort of like uh, they feel like it's, it's uh, you know, opening a can of worms. Like they feel like 
our, our, our stance in academic urology should be strongly in favor of partial nephrectomy to try to encourage as many partial nephrectomies as possible. And when we open up the idea that maybe there should be equipoise about partial versus radical, we're, we're really, really going to cause more trouble than good. So just to be completely clear, we strongly believe in partial nephrectomy for patients with small renal masses, all those patients we talked about at the start of the podcast. It's just the tumors with a little bit increased oncologic potential. Those patients, we may be hurting some of them by doing a partial nephrectomy, and we really need a better trial. We're really hoping that as years go by, our center and other centers have contributed a lot of good evidence to argue that this is something we really need to do, that just a sort of a a mindless approach to partial nephrectomy whenever feasible is not really a good place to be. So we're hoping that someday we'll come around and we'll, we'll realize we need this randomized trial. Well, I certainly appreciate your insight and giving us sort of the insight on, on pros and cons of each and letting us, uh, let us in on what those decisions entail. And I appreciate you being here with us today. Okay. Thanks, Dale. I've enjoyed it. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.